A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Kicked Back, presented by Uber One. Uber One is a membership that lets you save across Uber Eats, Uber Rides, and everything in between. Enjoy unlimited $0 delivery fees, 5% off of Eats, 5% off of Rides, and if you join Uber One today, you can get your first month free. Visit uber.com slash uberone for details. What's up, everyone? On this episode of Kicked Back, presented by our friends Uber One, we have Max, the founder of Offside Creative. Max, what's up? Kara, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. And we were just laughing because you just said a second ago, normally you're on the opposite side of camera, but now you're in my hot seat. Yeah, very surreal, very stressful to be on this side. I think Thanks. I like my, my life behind the scenes, but uh, no, I appreciate the invite and nice to be talking to you. I, I'm very, very grateful that you took the time to talk to me because there's this incredible Canada soccer documentary that's out right now and we want to tell the world about it and you are the writer and the producer behind it I know you have an incredible team around you but Mm -hmm. I want to kind of pick your brain about what that process was like and tell us everything you got yeah I mean first of all what a what a privilege to be allowed into that Canadian national team environment like I said in our talk earlier I've been working with the team in different incarnations back to 2009 2011 so it's been a long time and I think uh, you know my approach with the athletes is just to become part of the furniture yeah. uh, you know the hope is they forget you're even there as a camera uh, you know I've seen a lot of these players like a, a Sam Piet rise from the under 15 under 17 team straight to the senior national team so I think it's guys you have a lot of familiarity with uh, which gives you a certain type of content I think yeah. an external broadcaster wouldn't get but ultimately, you know, we try to do things in the athlete voice. This is their chance for, for them to tell their own story to the world. It's very intimate. Uh, the only people you hear from in the dock are either John as, as the head coach or the players. So it's uh, no external voices. This is a team voice. And I think, as you know, it's a Canadian kind of sports story for the ages, one that deserved to be told. So just a privilege to, to play a small part in, in getting it out there. It's so great because we were, uh, we're, guys, we're here at the Playmaker Investor Day. So it was awesome to kind of see the trailer be presented to everyone. And I was watching everyone watch the trailer for this documentary. Yeah. And me on my, like my side of things, I'm getting emotional. I have chills, but everyone was so drawn into everything that you and your team have created because mm-hmm. we all know that at this point, yes, Canada qualified for the first time in 36 years to the World Cup. They won, they won CONCACAF. We have incredible athletes on this team, but you're going to show a perspective that we don't see, what it's like behind closed doors, mm-hmm. you know, what the mentality and the motto of this team is and maybe what makes this team special heading into probably, I think it's safe to say, the biggest tournament of their lives. Yeah, I mean, uh, episode two will go live tomorrow. Both of the first episodes have started with uh, clips from a team meeting. Love so it. right inside the belly of the beast, 
have to say a huge thanks to, to John and the, and the players for letting us in there. We did have conversations with John, with Atiba, with Milan about getting in there early to tell the story. And I think, you know, John, John Herdman is one of the great sports orators of our time. Uh, you know, I, I said to you earlier, when he leaves Canada, we should probably build the guy a statue. Yeah. Uh, and I think he is the star of these early episodes. Certainly a, a lot of people have remarked how just seeing him talk is you know, very inspiring, a very compelling coach. And I think you're getting the gist already from these early episodes of just the brotherhood. Mm -hmm. You know, you see that, that one, two, three brothers cheer the guys do all the time. And it's, it's not just a kind of refrain or a catchphrase. I think there really is an environment of togetherness. And ultimately, you know, I, I won't speak on the technical side, but for the team to be successful, Canada needs to be more united, more together than yeah. any country. I think we were in qualifying. Obviously, had some great results there, and I, I'm sure that togetherness will just continue to kind of drive the team forward. On one of our episodes of Kickback, we had the pleasure of talking to Alistair Johnson, who's awesome, by the way. If you guys haven't seen that episode, he's so funny. He's so charismatic. He knows his stuff. Yeah. He's great on camera, obviously a great footballer too. He said that the notes that, you know, the coaching staff have prepared them with is insane. Like these documents, these books of just plays and acronyms and everything is so extensive, which is obviously a huge part of the coaching staff's job heading into the World Cup. But even like from your perspective, seeing these meetings and whatnot, from a coaching perspective, how much work is John Herdman and his team putting in to get these guys prepared for their tournament? Yeah, again, it's always hard for me to comment on the job they're doing, but what you can say if you know John and you know his staff is no one will work harder. Yeah. Determination, commitment, but, but also working in a smart way, not just doing the work, finding the right solutions, the technological solutions. Is it the drones at training? Is it the screens they're now using in training to, to demonstrate formations and tactics wow. to the players? Everything that can be maximized has been maximized. And as a, as a fan, really getting the chance to get a front row seat at all this, it's just an honor to see a group of people, a group of staff, this is across both the men's and women's national team. Just give their all for the country to try lift this shirt up and leave it in a higher place and just, just pick up the, the football culture in this country. So drones are recording training sessions? Yeah, I mean, pretty commonplace for both of the senior national teams now. You'll have a drone Crazy. giving you that Y11 v 11 picture. Obviously, that, that footage will then be annotated normally in a thing called Coach Paint or a different coaching software. And the players are getting almost in real time feedback on their positioning, their what? tactical awareness. So it's come a long way from you and you right. have been playing exactly, Caroline. But uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's great to see every part of the staff, the organization being maximized to support these teams. Man, that's insane to me because when I played and I'm going to get you to touch on this from your experience we didn't have anything like that. We had one stationary camera that recorded the entire game, but if you were on the other side of the pitch, you really couldn't see what you were doing or your position off the ball or on the ball. But you've been in Canada soccer, in the space of Canada soccer for essentially a large part of your life. Yeah. So you've seen drones yeah. and all of this technology and all of this effort and, and, and attention to this to these both the women's and the men's teams, it's probably something that you maybe never expected to happen. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean. Canada Soccer are our primary client as, as offside. Uh, so, you know, obviously a huge amount of respect for that relationship in the first place. I think what I would say is everyone involved in the project, be it 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, in some cases, there are some true lifers at Canada Soccer. Everyone believed we could get here. Yeah. And it started with that belief because otherwise, why were you involved in the project? As you'll remember back 90s, early 2000s, it was a very grassroots type initiative. The women's national team playing friendlies basically in local parks. I remember in Quebec yeah. back in the early 2000s. But you had to believe in the dream. Mm -hmm. You had to believe that one day the women's national team could be world champions as they are now. You had to believe the men could get to a World Cup and, and change the sport forever in Canada, which I think they're, they're doing. So yes, there's a surprise, but I think everyone there worked with an intent, yeah. manifested this, devoted their lives to this. 
And even somebody like a John Herdman came to this country in 2011, has now committed 10, 11, 12 years to the program, which as you know, in coaching is, is a long time. A long time. So a lot of people that are truly top of their field uh, in any, any category, physio, media, technical, there are true world-class specialists, sports science, I would add to that, working in these roles now. And they, they are the ones that have elevated this to a, to a new degree. I love it because I feel like we've come so far and I think we can speak to that both. Like from what mm -hmm. we do and, and fans of the sport that we that we watch, uh, it's we're in this transitional period where it's finally starting to turn for both yep. the men and the women, just as on a, on a national scale of soccer. But then we think about the World Cup in 2026 mm -hmm. and it's only going to continue to grow. Even the CPL, MLS, League One, all of these things are so instrumental for those younger generations to watch in November, December. Wow, Alfonso Davies is playing for Canada. Like they have something to look forward to. Wow, Christine Sinclair, Julia uh, Grosso, you know, it's just mm -hmm. so exciting for those younger generations, which at some point, and this is not a Canada soccer thing, it's just, it was the state of the sport in Canada. We didn't have that to necessarily always yeah. look forward to. Yeah, it was, it was very different. I mean, I, I was probably one of the few that did, I was very invested in Canada soccer, Love it. even as a kid. I have to give credit to my, uh, my English dad. I think he did what a lot of immigrant parents didn't do at the time, which is say, no, you're, you're from this country. This is your national yep. team, go and support them. And we did, like I mentioned earlier, we went up to the old varsity stadium when it had the cinder track and the, the concrete yeah. was crumbling. And we would watch Canada play and even the, the Toronto Lynx, uh, you know, the, yes, the kind I play, of, yeah, the, it's the, a the throwback. Exactly. It was on that team. <laughs> uh, you know, I vividly remember watching Dwayne De Rosario play for the Toronto yes. Lynx. And so, I, you know, I did have heroes. I, I did when I moved to England to play uh, university football. I remember getting ready for trials and I would be trying to emulate Julian de Guzman and Atiba Hutchison who, nice. you know, I've now had the chance to work with and what an incredible journey that's been. But uh, I was probably one of the few that did really believe in these athletes, recognize what they had overcome to get to where they were. You know, Julian played in La Liga, Atiba at the time was at Eindhoven or, or Copenhagen and Dwayne had, you know, won MLS Cups, had been MLS MVP. So there were players, obviously Christine Sinclair, Carl Lang on the women's yes. side, you know, even as a young boy, these were, these were athletes I looked up to. Um, but like we said earlier, there was always the world of European elite, Champions League, yeah. Premier League. And what we were doing in Canada felt very different. And, and I think the women being world champs, there's nothing above that, an Olympic gold medal. Uh, and obviously the men now making it to a World Cup, that's the pinnacle event in, in, in world football. We've seen these two worlds, the, the, the European world that you fantasize and I fantasize about growing up, come together with the Canada soccer yeah. world. And that's that's very gratifying. You bringing up Carl Lang almost just makes me, I, I was such a big fangirl of hers because when she was 14 or 15, I think it was even 14, she debuted yeah. for the senior national team. She yeah. had that very uh, signature move. Do you remember where she kind of did that? A little cut in? Yeah, <laughs> cut in, but she also did that like, um, I don't know what to call it, like that step over over the ball yeah. it was almost like from the outside in and she would just dominated the pitch and I remember there was this one game where she kind of got elbowed in the nose I feel like they were playing Brazil and she walked off and there was blood on her face and I remember be seeing that I'm like I want to be her mm -hmm. and at that point in time the Canadian women I always I always feel like have been in the picture and have always been strong but now we're seeing them actually win gold yeah and People like Cara Lang, people like Christine Sinclair, uh, you know, I even remember Tim Coe, yep. uh, uh, Tancredi, they, they all kind of paved that way. And same with the men from the past, they paved that way. Now yeah. we're at a point in time where we are there. Yeah. Like we are we are contenders. It's just so exciting. Yeah, and you saw it March 27th, Canada Soccer had a great had a great situation where they brought legends out onto, onto the pitch to form a guard of honor to celebrate the players. And I think connecting those generations yes. is something we can't forget about because there can't be a, 
Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David, if there wasn't a Dero, if there wasn't a Julian, you, you needed that first generation of, of Canadian players. And even players before that, you go back to the 80s and the 86 World Cup team and, and what they did with ultimately very little resource. These are a lot of people I, I've come to know well and regard almost part of the uh, the Canada soccer family, I would Love say. It. And uh, yeah, you, you have to take a lot of pride and just be thankful for those people. And it just makes this moment to celebrate that much sweeter. On the media side of things, mm -hmm. uh, what it's, what's it been like for you to see the, the change in the conversation about coverage for yeah. these Canadian games? Because there, I, when we were growing up, it was sometimes hard to find the yeah, channel was, to watch them play. Yeah, no, I mean, my, my first interaction with the team was, was the 2009 Gold Cup. I was a student living in England. Nice. Uh, Sportsnet had the rights to the tournament, but they basically announced that they wouldn't be sending a crew to the games. So this is the equivalent of uh, <laughs> England going to a Euros with no reporters on site, no interviews with the players. So my, my British roommate and I at the time, he's a fully British guy, nothing to do with Canada. He saw the opportunity <laughs> and said, well, that's, that's crazy. This national team deserves some coverage. And so really the first thing we ever did was for the Voyagers, for the supporters themselves, we, we started a YouTube channel Whoa. and we, we traveled to all those games completely unpaid back in the day, 2009. We, we drove ourselves around North America to be the first to do digital interviews wow. with the players. And uh, you could see, I think there was a level of surprise and amusement at who are these young kids from the players. But I think there was an appreciation of, yeah, these guys have traveled a long way to be here to tell our story. It didn't do millions of views, a couple thousand views, a couple hundred views maybe per video, but just to be there producing basically the first digital content for the Canadian national teams, although we were working externally at the time, was, uh, yeah, a really cool experience. That's crazy to me for so many reasons, but also you're way ahead of your, of, of like, the day and age. You're way ahead of the game, Max. I think at the time we were trying to be. 100% yeah. because maybe a couple thousand views back then, it would translate differently in this day and age. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And for you to have that type of vision and passion and this idea to be like, okay, no one's covering it. We have to. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. And did it did it all start there for you? Yeah, it all started there. That was the very, very first interaction. And uh, I think it's what you said about as a young female player, you had Carl Lang, you had Christine Sinclair. I recognize that I was in the niche that looked at these Canadian players with such admiration, but most of them just didn't know about them. Because uh, Julian de Guzman, if you weren't really plugged yep. into the Voyager's message boards back in the day, you might have not known these guys even existed. And I think that was the motivation was, these guys are here. The, the 2007 Gold Cup, they'd made it to the final four. They'd been knocked out on a dodgy call against the Americans. And so we knew the team was good. Stephen Hart was doing a great job with the team. Wow. And this was you know peak Julian, peak De Rosario. Atiba Hutchinson, although he's still going, was, was in his prime back then. And you know, I, I felt a sense of responsibility to the Canadian football public to, to make sure we know who these guys are. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We can thank this guy right here and his team. Who was the first? Do you remember who the first athlete was that you interviewed? The one that stands out is Julian. Okay. Uh, I think he, he was obviously... Uh, player of the tournament for the 2007 Gold Cup. You know, Julian was the holy grail back then. He was playing in La Liga, had a great season with Deportivo. Uh, and so for me as a young, aspiring Canadian journalist to get to speak to Julian, uh, that was a special honor. Uh, and I think, you know, just, just that he took those 5, 10, 15 minutes to do those chats was uh, yeah, a testament to who he is. And I, I still know Julian to this day. He's a real soldier for Canada soccer, I would say. He's a pioneer and uh, someone we have to pay tribute to. I love talking about the journey. And this is crazy to me that you just did that on a whim, not no paid mm-hmm. you know, opportunity. Did you know you were gonna have access? I have to credit uh, Richard Scott at Canada Soccer, who did. Who's great, by the way. Yeah, He's Rich, great, Rich, yeah. Richard is a legend in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of rung him up and said, hey, do you guys take any interns? And he was, Good for you. He, he kind of said, well, it was, it's complicated, but you know, do you think you could get to the Gold Cup? And I said, yeah, I don't see why not. And, and he offered to help us out with CONCACAF and the accreditation. And, you know, here we were, you know, ESPN Deportes and CBS Sports <gasps> on one side. And, you know, we're here reporting for the Voyageurs. You know, so it was, it was a bit of a grassroots move. But as we spoke about earlier, this is a tough industry. You have to do what you, yes. what you need to do to break in. And that was the move for us. Yeah, I love that because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening, even young kids who want to get to do what we've done in our career, which yeah. is such a blessing. I always say I'm very grateful for the opportunities to talk to these athletes, to be at these sporting events. But did you ever think that in that moment you'd be someday owning your own company and creating a documentary for Canada Soccer. I think it's like what we said earlier, there was always that belief that it was possible. If you, if you don't have Love that it. belief, then yes. you're, you're starting from the wrong place. So there was a core belief that we could, as a soccer nation, grow to do these things. There was a lot of obstacles at the time. And I, I will be honest that, you know, I was fortunate enough to be part of the qualifying cycle for Brazil and Russia. And, you know, when those campaigns end in heartbreak, that, that takes time to recover. I, I remember leaving the Russia campaign and feeling that Atiba Hutchinson would probably never get to play the World Cup. And going back to, to West Ham in England and just feeling demoralized for the country, for the guy that as a collective nation, we hadn't been able to make that happen. So I think, like you said, it's a, it's a privileged position. Uh, it's taken a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. a lot of sacrifice. I mean, I think I've relocated five, six, seven different cities in my, yeah. in my professional career. You know, there are losses to your personal life, to partners, to family, time missed, things missed. It's been a life on the road, but at this point, you know, going to a World Cup with the team, you, you wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh my goodness, I'm so proud of you. And Thank it's you. funny because we were talking offline and I said it was the same thing for me when I got my, my master's in journalism and I said, I'm going to be a TV broadcaster because if I can't play, yeah. I'm going to be behind the camera doing something. I'm going to interview the players. And I remember someone saying to me, that job is one in a million. And I said, I'm going to be that one person who gets it and that's what kind of got me through you know the very long graveyard shifts that you kind of have to go Mm -hmm, through mm -hmm. that you don't get to go to every wedding that you're invited to or every night out with friends and and you're just constantly trying to focus in on that goal of yours but it happened for me and that's what we talk about you always have to believe and i do believe in manifesting that when nothing else gets in the way and you're constantly saying that you're going to do it and you're working hard and you're putting in that time and effort it's going to happen for you in any area of your life yeah so i just love talking to people who kind 
kind of have the same experience and it's it's very cool to see you know what you're creating now with Canada Soccer and I'm really excited to see what comes out in the next year. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps when the team is winning games, both the men's and the women's team, obviously on a high, and that, as content creators, makes makes your job a lot easier. A, a winning story is a lot easier to tell, but I mean, for you, Caroline, I imagine playing career ended. Yeah. Injury. Yeah. You've put your whole life into that. That must have been challenging. What was it like coming out of that and refocusing towards, you know, the business world, the media world, and that whole venture? It's such a good question. I remember that when I found out that I couldn't play anymore, I had my last year of collegiate soccer left and then also potentially national team camps to go into for the Rio Olympic Games. And when when I found out, when the surgeon came out to me right after surgery and said, you can no longer play anymore, or you'll be walking with a cane for the rest of your life. I'm 23 years old. Wow. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, that's probably the first time I was introduced to depression, yeah. to the loss of identity, to um, this is something I did for my entire life. I get goosebumps saying, talking about it right now. What the hell do I do now? Yeah. And I look back on it now at the age of almost 31 and I say, thank goodness this happened yeah. because it pushed me out of my comfort zone. So all Caroline knew as a young girl was play soccer every day, work on your left foot, um, you know, go out of practice early and hit diagonal balls and, and be the best soccer player you can be. But I've never thought about what else I could do. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my master's and I'm going to be on TV. And everyone said to me, how is that possible? Because you don't like to talk. You're, you're shy. Right. I was very introverted, which okay. I still am to this, to, to this day, which you'd never know now. And I'm like, this is, this is, I'm going to change this. This is yeah. something I want to do. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you look at me, you know, 12 years later and I've figured out a completely different side of me. Yeah. And I know now not to equate my identity with my work, right? Yeah. Yeah. I figured out who I am in right. that span of time. Right. It will never be soccer. It will never be, you know, a broadcaster. It'll never be a host. It will just be Caroline. Right. And separating that and learning that and, um, being grateful for the experiences I had as a soccer player and now now in this side of my career, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it was easily the most difficult thing I've ever gone through in my yeah. life. But the thing that I might be the most grateful for. I imagine very scary. You know, I think that kind of growth where you're letting go of a whole identity, you were very established in that field. You're obviously a very good, good player to be looked at Thanks. by the national team. So I think to leave something where you had so much comfort and so much success, to go into something exactly. where you're starting from the bottom. It's a big, it's a big daunting challenge. I mean, it seems like it's going well. So huge, huge congrats. Thanks, Max. You know, you ask all the right questions because you're making me sit here and, and go back. And it's true for me, the sport in itself was like a safety net, right? Yeah. When I necessarily didn't have the most friends, I'd go to practice and yeah. have a group, a family, a team. Yeah. And then I'd go on the pitch and I'd feel like, wow, I'm really good at this. This is where mm -hmm. if I don't talk a lot or, you know, I, I'm not the most outgoing person. This is where I get to let my personality come through. Yeah. So it's just very cool how that happened for yeah, me. Yeah, and that's, for me, that's... The yeah, you were a footballer. The frequent question I come back to is, well, why do you spend your whole life doing soccer? And, you know, there's a lens to look at that and go, okay, well, it's quite a juvenile thing. It's a kid's game. Uh, you know, you should be doing something more business-focused or medicine or law or something. But we live in a very complicated world, mm -hmm. a world that is kind of subtly corrupted by a lot of different corporate influences. And I would say that soccer exists as a sanctuary any any sport does but for me and, and for you football being the, the the passion when you walk across that white line it's you versus your competitor yeah there's no belonging to the country club there's no your dad had a bmw there's no connections exactly. it's what can you go out there as a human being and produce versus another human being and that's a meritocracy and i think kind of sociologically 
Humans like a meritocracy. Yeah. They like to know that this person earned that position. They like to look at an Alfonso David, a Jonathan David, yes. and say, this person overcame a pretty tough upbringing to get to where they are. And now they've obviously got an abundance, which is great. And people identify with that story. So I think it's, you've kind of identified that people love that sanctuary that is sport, that it that kind of, it's just a true meritocracy and giving people a true sense of having achieved something great. I love it. And you're in the, we're both in a great position where sometimes we have the pleasure and honor to tell those stories. Yep. And nothing, nothing makes me happier than when I come out of an interview and I'm like, wow, I learned something today about someone's story and I also felt that emotion. Yep. That's what makes this job, like, I think extremely special. Yeah, it's, it's the identification of emotion. I, th I think content now is very complicated. Uh, you talk about vertical videos, captions, TikTok, yeah. Instagram Reels. You know, for a content creator that I'm, I'm probably a bit old school by now in the sense that, you know, I, I wanted to make long format documentaries and long sit down interviews. Um, and it, it's a little bit of a question of how do you bring that emotional meaning yeah. to even these bite-sized nuggets? But I, I still use that as a guiding principle for everything we do. Did this make me feel an emotion? Did the exactly. hairs on the back of my neck stand up? Did I, did I have a little tear as I was editing it? And, and you know, when you're dealing in things that are so aspirational as trying to get to a World Cup, trying to win a gold mm -hmm. medal, if you don't feel that emotion, you're in the wrong industry, you're in the wrong game. And I think we, we get a sense of it from the players, as you'll know, playing for the national team, how much it means to them. Yeah. Life's work wrapped up in this. And if you can't make the fans feel that connection, then you're doing something wrong. So I think that emotional connection is, is critical. What is one moment you can think of where you had an emotional connection to the moment when you were filming this, this documentary? A very recent one was uh, Stephanie Labe was retiring. Okay. And we were just doing our regular in-house kind of goodbye feature as we would do for any player. Obviously, Stephanie had had this momentous rise and amazing penalty performance and helped Canada win yes. a gold medal. And at, I was kind of setting up in this hotel conference room as you know, you're, you're, you're sticking up the lights and the tripods. And then Stephanie came in and my first question was very simple. I think I said, you know, Stephanie, this must be very emotional. How are you, how are you feeling about it all? And instantly just, just tears for her. And, and it was kind of just a moment where I was so focused on the task of the production wow. task and we got to turn this edit around for the game tomorrow. And then you ask this person, what's it like saying goodbye to the game you love? Is this not the hardest thing you're ever going to have to do? And, and, and the tears come out. And I, you know, I think I probably had some tears at the time. We laughed. We completely paused the, the recording and then we got back to it. And I think just to see somebody like Stephanie, the passion they have for representing the country. And it, it's hard to put into words, but it's, it's a childhood dream. And, and, and watching people live out these childhood dreams and you and I in our own way now get to be part of this childhood yep. dream. There's something about realizing that that just twangs that little emotional nerve inside of you. Hard to put into words, but you, you, felt, you feel it. And I, I felt it in that moment for sure. What was your childhood dream? Absolutely, categorically, to play for Canada. I'm sure at a World Cup. Uh, I, I was raised as an England fan. I was a big Michael Owen, David Beckham fan. Amazing. But no, by the time I was old enough to, to make sense of it and playing, you know, effectively regional competitive soccer in, in Toronto, yeah, I wanted to play for Canada. Um, obviously, I didn't get anywhere near close enough to that to, to even be able to talk about it. But I, I knew when I was in England doing my undergrad communications degree, you may have well have called it a, a football degree, a soccer degree. All I wanted to do was soccer. Uh, I didn't know how I was going to find my way into a very competitive business, um, but I knew that Canada soccer was, was always going to be close to my heart. So to have the ability to be sitting here 10, 15 years later, I think a, a couple hundred matches worked as, as staff for the teams. Uh, yeah, it's you know, just been an honor and a privilege. And it, it, it's something you have to approach with the same work ethic you had on day one. Of course. I always say to people I work with, if, if you don't bring the same hustle you brought as the intern trying to get into the game now, 
Because now there's even more responsibility. People mm -hmm. are counting on you to deliver. Alfonso Davies has entrusted you with 15 minutes of his time to yeah. do something great for him, for the country. So I, I feel that pressure. I still feel nerves going into every shoot. And I, I don't think I ever want to stop feeling that pressure because I think it's it's a responsibility as, as you feel in your role to deliver for the people that have, have entrusted you to, to tell the story. You know, it's always for us an honor to be in this position. And, and again, I always use the word grateful because if I'm sitting next to, you know, at Kawhi Leonard, yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm very grateful for this opportunity mm -hmm. because he exactly, it's, it's him trusting us with their time. Yeah. But also I had someone tell me this and I feel like I need to say this to you. You deserve every single thing that you have worked very hard for. Nothing has been handed to you. It yeah. sounds like, you know, from, from so far from what we've heard here and you deserve this opportunity, which is very cool to sit here and hear that, you know, you had this childhood dream of becoming a footballer and you've always had this strong passion for Canada soccer. Mm -hmm. And although you didn't get to play, yeah. you're still in it. And I love yeah. that. Yeah, still in it. And, um, and not going anywhere. <laughs> not going anywhere, hopefully. No, I, I, you feel it on the match days. You, you, you know, it's, it's almost overwhelming sometimes. And obviously my job is to film and, and be focused and, and be focused on the task at hand. But when you have a March 27th at BMO Field, or I, I would say even the game before that, when we were away to Costa Rica, yeah. I remember I was standing next to Sandra Gage, who also works for Canada Soccer as their chief marketing officer. She was kind of feeding me the updates from the, the, the US and Mexico games in my ear. So we knew at that time, although we were down in San Men, we were down a goal. If if we scored 85th, 90th minute, we were going to the World Cup. Wow. And and that was probably the most in the flow state, as John Herdman would call it, of football that had ever been. Watching Richie storm up that that left wing in front of me and, and had a couple chances. And I, Johnny David had a chance. And just knowing that if, if we can get this ball, this ball of gas over this line into this net, we've achieved, uh, the, the players have achieved something that the country's been dreaming about yep. for a generation. And, and to be so in the moment, Hearing the sounds from the crowd, from the bench, you're locked in filming. You are experiencing it in a in a very visceral way, and I think those are the moments that that kind of will live long in the memory. I'm did sure. you cry when they qualified? I did, but it took a while to set in. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, we're actually well sitting across the road from Air Canada Center now, and uh, the team went to a Raptors game. Uh, I want to say the day after. Yeah, we qualified on okay. a Sunday. There was a Monday night game. Okay. Uh, Nick Nurse was great. Came out, met the players that had nice. come. You know, very classy set up by the Raptors. And we got up to this this private box where they were housing the team. And it was myself and, and Sandra, who in many ways is uh, kind of a mother figure in my life. Somebody I've worked with for many years has yeah. just shown absolute trust in me. And everyone kind of cleared out. And then we just had this one moment where for the first time since having qualified, we were left alone. And yeah, we both just kind of turned to each other and with tears and just Aww. had this hug. And it was a uh, yeah, very, very poignant moment. Um, and yeah, I, had, I had dinner with my parents after that. And I think seeing my dad, you know, somebody that introduced me to the game. You, yeah, you never, you can see I'm getting emotional now, but you, you never believed it was possible for so long. It seemed so out of reach. And I think to be part of the team that went to Honduras and lost 8-1, to have fallen just short again uh, the, the second time around. These are dreams that you weren't sure if yeah. you were ever going to get to accomplish. Uh, and so to see the team, to see John going to Qatar to sing the anthem, that, that that's the next one now. Is, uh, I'm sure there'll be tears during the anthem, but I, I think you know the team are laser focused on the task, and I'm just looking forward to watching them compete. You know, we talked about this earlier, but so many Canadians are immigrants or have parents who immigrated to this country to start a life, to start a better life. And now we have the opportunity to cheer for the, our country at the World Cup, yeah. the biggest sporting event in the world. I said to you, I think that this is much deeper 
than just the sport of football, what's yep. happening here in Canada, solely because so many people came here for a better life. Yep. And it's going to be probably one of the most emotional things, I'm sure for my parents who immigrated from Poland, and even me to be able to experience that. Yeah, it's a real full circle moment. I think somebody like your parents would recognize when I left Poland, the national team was everything to me and the country would stop yes. when we played the World Cup and come together. And they came to Canada and there was probably a mild sense of disappointment, apathy. Yeah. That we weren't able to recreate that. I know, you know, you think of the 2010 hockey team winning the gold medal. Well, there have been moments of Canadian sporting unity, but as we spoke about earlier, for you and I, there's no sport that can bring yeah. a country together like yep. football. And it's because it's what the, the world values as the global currency. Yeah. Is this country good in sports? Can be boiled down to football, yeah. soccer. It's, it's, it's the holy grail for me. So I think being able to give someone like your parents the opportunity to see a country come to a standstill when Canada will play Belgium and just pause and be one. And ultimately in a pretty divided, complicated world we now yeah. live in, to have these moments of national unity where you can pause a nation to support something that is good. <laughs> People that we know have come from little to, to have what they have now. Yeah. The, the John Herbins, the Alfonso Davies, the Jonathan Davids, that whole unit, Atiba Hutchison, someone that just so desperately deserved this. That's just going to be a feel-good moment, and I'm just so glad the team have been able to give that to the country. Perfectly said. And we're going to end on this because I appreciate your time so much, more than you know, Max. Of course. You mentioned that your childhood dream was to play for Canada, but you grew up watching Michael Owen and yep. David Beckham. Yeah. Naturally, you'd think your childhood dream would to be played for England because yep. especially growing up, the talent on that roster was like none other. Mm -hmm. Some of the best footballers we ever watched play. What made Canada stand out for you? We had a lot of childhood experiences. I, I, I told you the story about one where we were at Varsity Stadium. We were playing Iran in a friendly. And you know, Iran were quite good at the time. I think this was the build-up to the 98 World Cup. And it was ravenous Iranian fans, probably 10,000, 15,000. Very small pocket of Canadian fans there at all. And ultimately quite a hostile, not very friendly atmosphere for Canada. And, you know, you kind of think about how much do you process politically or emotionally as a kid? I was, I guess, nine or 10 years old. And I felt very strongly, this isn't right. This isn't right. These guys are coming out here to represent the country. And we are greeting them with not no support, but actually hostile, <laughs> antagonistic support. And so I think that calling to want to see a sport that I, from very early on in childhood, associated with just the love of my life, football. Yeah. My favorite toy to this day is still a ball, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, just to want to see the country succeed in that area, but also make Canadians proud of that success, yeah. get Canadians to come along for the journey. And when you boil it down to what have I been trying to do all these years, why have I been running around with a camera trying to tell these stories, it's just trying to represent the hard work Oh. the effort these players and staff are putting in in the hopes the country might see that and might find something to kind of emotionally attach themselves to. I love that. It's funny. You bring up a, uh, a soccer ball being your favorite toy. Brought me down to this memory. When I first started playing soccer, I was 10 years old. And my mom surprised me with this like stuffed soccer ball pillow. Yeah. And if you saw it today, there's like probably three little stuffy parts left and it just looks like a, like a deflated ball. But I've had it for over 20 years and yeah. I will never get rid of it. Yeah. Because just of the hardcore passion and obsession I have for the sport, anything I can hang on to that reminds me of my childhood and what made me fall in love with it, I keep. Yeah, and it's, it's such a simple object, the ball. Yeah. But it's interesting that as a child, you obviously were able to identify There's something about this ball that means more. I mean, you'd probably heard the crowd in the back as your dad was watching yeah. the games, and you knew that this ball kind of occupied this very important position in this worldwide circus of a yeah. sport that means a lot to a lot of people. And that was probably part of what gave you that childhood attachment to this object, and you've carried it to this day as 
when I'm on a, a Zoom call or on a call, I'm, I'm dribbling a ball around my house to this day. It's just something I do intuitively. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a, it's a passion that never leaves you. And uh, that's what makes it so gratifying to work in this sport. Max, I, I appreciate your time. And, and I, I know that we're just kind of meeting on these quick circumstances, but I already know that we are absolutely obsessed absolutely. with this with this sport and and we share that and i really hope that you know your incredible team anders back there and behind the camera and we we continue to do some work together because i'm uh, i'm so excited to see the rest of the documentary and you're doing a lot of i think much deeper work like we, we always speak to for fans in this country and giving coverage and and content on something that everyone wants or we all want to di digest and consume what you're doing so thank you no i appreciate the kind words and uh to see somebody like yourself a former national team player in your own right making your way in the world and helping to bring that soccer conversation thank to you. the fore with major outlets is huge so keep going carol yeah, yeah whatever you, there you in go. the future we'll do it. tell everyone where to watch your documentary canada soccer youtube channel is where to watch the doc uh, i know the players and staff would love to share their story with the country so if you guys can tune in that'd be great all right everyone thanks for listening to this episode of kickback presented by uber one planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.